Welcome to Building the Dam Podcast. John Seavers uh, will join me shortly, and we'll be talking about Oregon State football and specifically focusing on the offense and some of the skill position players. Um, Take a listen. And joining me now is John Seavers from Corvallis, Oregon. How are you doing, John? I'm pretty good. Ready to see some football? Yeah, it is the middle of July, and August 30th cannot come soon enough. Yes. Um, we're definitely in a really slow time when it comes to Oregon State athletics or really sports in general. There's not a lot going on right yeah, now. There's baseball, but I'm a Seattle Mariners fan, so I don't don't lot of, watch a lot of that anymore. <laughs> yeah, their season ended a while ago. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're not making the playoffs. No. Uh, um, so today, not a lot of Oregon State news to, to talk about. Um, so I thought we would dig into football, get, get prepped for start of the season. And today, mostly, I wanted to talk about the skill position players. Um, they're usually the most exciting to talk about. They're the ones that make plays, score touchdowns, and that sort of thing. Um, but to start it off, the big big one is always the quarterback position. Um, what do you see happening there, John? I would be pretty sh- surprised if we didn't start off with Luton, starting Jake Luton. But I feel like a lot of the fan base and I think the coaches as well really wants to see what we have in Tristan Gebbia. Uh, so at some point during the season, I'm not sure when, I feel like he'll be getting at least a couple starts. Yeah. And is it Gebbia or Jebbia? I have no idea, I, honestly. I think it's Jebbia, We've already gotten, I'm actually not sure. <laughs> I should look that up. We've already gotten into trouble with mispronouncing all these names. No, yeah, I'm the worst I'll go with it. I'll go with Jebbia from now on. <laughs> Um, but I, it seemed like when he committed the transfers from Nebraska, everyone assumed he'd be the starter this season. And then Jake Luton got his, um, medical redshirt, got an extra year of eligibility. But I think people still thought Trishan Jebbia would get the starting job, but now all signs seem to point to Luton getting the start. You think that's like a 90% of uh, chance of that happening day one starter, Jake Luton? I wouldn't go 90%, maybe like 75, like okay. three out of four. I think there's a chance they might. The slight possibility for Jebbia, I think, is that Jamar Jefferson looked a lot better when Luton wasn't the quarterback in like those early games with Connor Blount. So if they really feel like building the offense around Jefferson, they might try someone else, potentially. Yeah, but. yeah. I think... I think you're right on the money there because Luton is a he's got a great arm, but he's a statue in the pocket, yeah. and so when there's not that threat of the quarterback tucking it and keeping it, um, or creating any plays with his legs, the defense can really load up on Jamar Jefferson in the run. Yeah, and Jebby is not like a huge runner either, but you know there might be a bit more potential there. Yeah, he's probably more like Blunt, where he can at least escape a little bit of pressure if he needs to and get a first down or something like that if it's open. Uh, But yeah, I think you're right. I think Jake Luton, I'm pretty high on him. I've always kind of liked him more than general Beaver fans. Um, But his biggest thing is he's got to stay healthy. Yeah, that's my big question, too, because he hasn't had a full season of play since what? I guess maybe since junior college, if yeah. that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it, but um, I think he's got a great arm. And when he's healthy and the offense is clicking, um, seems to be doing really well. Uh, but I don't think he's going to stay healthy. And yeah. that's going to open the door for Jebbia um, to get a lot of a lot of playing time. And I think even if, like, that door is only open slightly, like if he just has some soreness or, like, maybe tweaks a hip or something, like, I could see the coaches saying, oh, we're going to give Jake a couple weeks off and we'll have, we'll have Tristan come in and start for a bit. Right. Like last season, uh, Jake Luton, his ankle, it was pretty yeah. bad ankle sprain. Um, but it wasn't like broken bones or anything, but it was pretty swollen and he was out. I can't remember, but like three, four games, something like yeah, that. I think it was four. Yeah. And then he kind of had to come back because Blunt got hurt. Yeah. Um, and so it's been, let's just hope for some health at that position because yeah. it's been a struggle. We could use a lot of health this season. Yeah. We've had a lot of stuff get derailed over the past couple of years. Yeah, definitely. Um, and piggybacking on that um one player that's really looked good when jake luton has been um under center is isaiah hodgins yeah Uh, i can't remember what the stats were but he had like 800 and something receiving yards last season and a good majority of those like 600 yards or so came when jake luton was the quarterback not connor blount yeah um and so i found that yeah yeah oh no you're fine i just found that fascinating they've definitely got kind of that connection that chemistry um maybe luton's just got a big enough arm to get it to him uh but what yeah what did you see there last season uh definitely it really it was interesting how blunt and uh luton kind of favored different groups but yeah hodgins i think with luton starting probably these first few games i would expect to see big games from isaiah hodgins yeah, I think he's due for a big year. Um, and there's been a kind of a lot of pro football focus um, graphs on Twitter. I'm not sure if you saw any of these, but all of them show that Isaiah Hodgins and Trevin Bradford were elite receivers, whether it be um, converting on third downs or catching the ball in traffic while contested. Um, so I think both of those players, Bradford and Hodgins, are going to have big years for the Beavers. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. I'd like to see more of a passing game this year because, you know, Jamar can't do it all by himself. I think a lot of it's going to come down to continuity, too, because if you are going to switch gears in your quarterback, like halfway through the season, that could upset things a bit, especially since Jevia and uh, Josiah Irish both have that Nebraska connection. And, you know, there's also some shuffling on the offensive line. But I would like to see the Luton-Hodgins-Bradford connection continue to work. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think actually it was Tyjon Lindsay. That it was, was uh, oh, sorry, that's right. No. I, was, I got my fast wide receivers confused. <laughs> right. And Those that's another yeah. um, kind of position battle that I'm looking at. Because I think Hodgins and Bradford will be on the field you know, 90% Most of the, the time, time yeah. when they're healthy. Um, but I think Josiah Irish, he's he's the real fast guy um, yeah. when they were releasing those numbers. And he was the fastest 40 on the team by like a wide margin. Yeah, maybe one um, of the fastest players in the conference too. He's just yeah. so speedy. And then and then Tyjon Lindsay is that Nebraska transfer and he's the 
four-star recruit, all these records coming out of high school. Um, Beaver Nation was rightfully really excited when he announced his transfer, and now he's el- eligible, but I'm not sure what the pecking order is going to be between yeah. Lindsay and Irish. I- I'd um, imagine the uh, I'd, I'd imagine Hodgins, Bradford, Irish to start with, at least. We'll see how things shake out over the season. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm interested in that. Um, but I, whoever gets that third receiver spot to start, I bet we'll see four receivers out there sometimes, or we'll see um, subbing in for Lindsey or even Colby Taylor or um, Champ Flemings, guys like that. Um, and then, of course, there's the running back pos- a position where uh, Jamar Jefferson broke out on the scene last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going into the season, it seemed like that was Artavis's, Artavis Pierce's job to lose. Yeah, um, I was really big on Artavis Pierce, too. And he had a pretty big first game, if I remember right. Before yeah, he, he looked real good until he uh, hurt his elbow. Um, and he kind of had another injury before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it kind of seemed like Jefferson kind of grabbed the job after that and Pierce didn't look as confident as a runner after that. Um, do you think it's going to be more of a split this year or is it kind of going to be 70% of the carries going to Jefferson? I think Jefferson is going to get the lion's share of the carries. I would be surprised if they messed with something that worked so well too much, but I think, you know, there's room there for Pierce to make a case for himself, especially if they decide to spell Jamar for a bit. But yeah, uh, I think I think it's Jamar's team for now. Yeah, I agree. And it's tough. It's a it's a long football season. And even last year, we saw Jefferson kind of wear down towards the end of the season. Yeah. And I think the coaching staff kind of felt bad that they were leaning on him so much. Um, so hopefully, we there's a little more balance, and that yeah. helps keep. Jefferson upright and and gets everybody the ball a little bit more. Yeah, and you know Pierce is an excellent running back. So if you you know give him a few downs, you know every drive, and he can make plays and give Jefferson some time off, it's it's not going to be a huge drop in the Beavers' running threat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. As long as the line is able to to open some holes for them, I I think Jefferson and Pierce could have really big years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the another weird position, skill position players, tight ends. Um, yeah. What do you, what are you what are your thoughts on Oregon State's tight ends? I don't really know. This one's tough because Togiai has looked so good at times, but he's another player that just doesn't seem to be able to stay healthy. Yeah, and it seems like Oregon State really could have used his pass-catching abilities yeah. um, and from that tight end spot the last couple of seasons, and then he's just had rotten luck, mm-hmm. um, whether it's the first game of the season or running on special teams or whatever. He just suffers these unfortunate injuries and then really limits his effectiveness. Um, and then last, so last year they had to kind of rely on a couple of t- true freshmen, um, yeah. Isaiah Smalls, Tegan Quintertino, probably butchered that last name. Yeah. Um, and then they got the new true freshman, Luke Musgrave. That was a pretty highly ranked recruit. So what do you think? Is it going to be Togiai and everybody else or? Uh, 
I think Smalls might uh, might be the player for now. I, he looked all right. He was so kind of raw last season, but I think he's got potential there. And I feel like just with Togiai's inability to stay healthy, I think they'll they'll probably work Smalls a bit more. Yeah, and I'm curious just to see in Jonathan Smith's offense how often he wants to utilize the tight ends or if kind of the lack of going to the tight ends has just been a position type thing out of necessity and not mm-hmm. or if that's kind of how he wants to direct his offense more to the wide receivers and running backs. Yeah, you have um, such, such big playmakers in the both the wide receiver core and with both running backs. So you don't really need quite as much explosiveness as a pass catcher from your tight ends, at least so far. But I mean, it would help. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think it might, the biggest thing for tight ends might be just giving, uh, opening up some holes for the, for the running backs and just helping the linemen out there. Yeah. Especially if they've had to shift, like the right side of the line is completely new this year, isn't it? So if you can like, yeah. have a tight end line up on that side, maybe, He's yeah, got a bit more fast block. Yeah, there's something yeah. <laughs> to stop the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the line is going to be interesting for sure because Blake Brandell and Gus Lavaca seem like they're both returning starters, uh, both going to start again. And then there's everyone assumed Nathan Eldridge, the Arizona transfer, would start at center. Um, but there's been some rumblings that maybe he's not fully healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would be kind of a huge blow. Yeah. And then on the other side, you're looking at maybe Brandon Kipper. He'll probably get a starting spot. I think he was the transfer from Hawaii. And then like Clay Cordasco. Um, and I also heard rumblings that they might flip Brandon Kipper to left tackle and Blake Brandell oh. to right tackle, which I find very odd. Yeah, that seems, um, seems strange. So yeah, yeah, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see which five guys are out there against Oklahoma State and in what position they are. Uh, but so the the biggest question that I have, something that I was started tracking last year, um, but it was been a while since there's been a 2,000-yard passer or a 1,000-yard receiver. Jamar Jefferson broke the 1,000 yards uh, for running back last season. And that hadn't been done since I think Jaquiz Rogers. Um, but so, do you, what do you think is more likely this season: a two thousand yard passer quarterback or a thousand yard receiver? I'm kind of leaning toward quarterback, honestly. And I guess my theory is: I think there's more room for either Luton or Jevia to just come out early in the season and look very good and just take the reins of the program than there is for like one of the receivers to one sort of take control and be the number one threat. Cause I think they'll be much more spread out. And I think with the running game too, uh, they're going to, you know, be working Jamar Jefferson and Artavis Pierce so hard that I don't think there's going to be room for the receivers to pull off like the amount of, you know, yardage they would, need to get to challenge her 1,000-yard season. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that's a good point. And there's a lot of kind of mouths to feed on offense with all yeah. those pass catchers. Um, but I, I strongly feel like Isaiah Hodgins is going to have a big year. Um, I think he's really got that connection with Jake Luton. If Jake Luton stays healthy for even even half the season, I think um, Hodgins is going to pass that thousand yard mark throughout the whole season. Um, and I would if if either of the quarterbacks starts the whole season and stays healthy the whole season, I think they'd pass that two thousand mark, no question. But I just yeah. do not have a lot of confidence in either of that if them staying healthy and yeah. starting for the whole season. I mean that's the problem. Yeah, I think if Luton gets the job and stays healthy and performs, you know, close to what he's been performing at, I think it's not impossible that we see both him breaking two thousand yards and Hodgins breaking one thousand. But yeah. Yeah. He's just be been great. so fragile. Yeah. <laughs> it would be great though. I'd be it'd be nice to have something like that even in a season with not a ton of wins. Right. Yeah, I mean, if either of those things happen, I'll be very, very excited, and I'll post a lot about it on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and then a couple more rapid-fire questions for you that I've asked everybody I've had on. But who do you think would be a breakout star for Oregon State football? One player, offense and defense, that, that's going to be a breakout star. I think for offense, I'll go with Irish. Just because I think with that speed, I feel like he's going to be able to pull off some absolutely ridiculous plays and get himself some sports center highlights. I like it. Okay. Yeah. What about defense? Defense? Uh, we need someone. Um, I'm kind of leaning, I guess, towards Avery Roberts, the, the big Nebraska transfer at linebacker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those Nebraska kids have got, you know, a lot of potential. So if they can find a great role for him, especially at the linebacker position, I think he could really show something. Yeah, it sounds like uh, Amy Roberts, everybody says he's a really physical player. Yeah. And uh, that's something the defense definitely needs. It's a physical playmaker that can uh, eat up some tackles and kind of cause some havoc out there. Mm-hmm. It's um, also possible, you know, the defensive line, I think, is the unit that needs to improve the most so if one of the defensive ends can step up and make a lot of plays i think you could see a star break out there but i'm not really sure who it would be yeah it's tough it seems like there's going to be a lot of new bodies on the defensive line and i'm just hoping that a few of them um can show yeah. some consistency because that's what definitely we need we need on the defensive line um and then so the this line has been set for the oh. Oregon State season. Oh, yeah. two, two and a half wins. Yeah, I, um, I heard that. I heard it might have actually dropped to two wins. Yeah, looking like at the last couple hours or something. Yeah, I'm not sure about Vegas, but I was looking on FanDuel, and they yeah they dropped the two and a half wins down to two wins flat for the Beavers. Um, yeah. But what do you think? You think it's a two-win season, more or less? Uh, I like two wins. I think more is possible. They need to pull off the upsets. But this is – it's going to be a better team this year. So I think they'll turn some, like – they had a few close losses last season. I think they could turn some of those into wins. But, like, 
there are just no teams in the Pac-12 that are like close to being where we are, like near <laughs> yeah. us at the bottom, which is the problem. Like we'll beat Cal Poly. I feel pretty confident about that. But like other than that, Hawaii, I think a lot of people are kind of considering a second win, but that's a tough team, especially yeah. with that offense. And so on I the think, road. And yeah. Hawaii's coaching staff yeah. hates the Beavers. So yeah, there's do. a lot working against the Beavers there. Yeah. So I think you want to try to grab a win from maybe Cal, especially if you can get the running game going well, or maybe Arizona State. I really wish we could play Colorado again, but <laughs> yeah, it seems unfortunately like, that's not happening this year. Yeah, it seems like Colorado is the only other team that's kind of um, at the bottom, projected at the bottom of the Pac-12 for next yeah. season, and that's of course the team that we missed this season. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, besides that, I mean UCLA is going to be better. Cal is going to be decent. Um, I'd really love to beat UCLA though. So would I. <laughs> the one. That's, the one I just won it so bad, I don't think it'll happen. <laughs> yeah, and and so you're from the Corvallis area, right? Tell us a little bit just about your Oregon State fandom and how that all came about. Uh, I moved here in 2011, I think, and started going to school a little bit after that. Oh, cool. So I just, you know, I've always been a college sports fan before I moved here. I lived in Pocatello, Idaho, and was a was an Idaho State Bengals fan. And that yes. that is a school that has put some terrible teams on the field and on the courts. So, yeah, it's Oregon State as as hard as it is to be a fan. Of, sometimes they put a much better product uh, out there than the teams I've rooted for in the past. So it was it was kind of a relief. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, it can always be worse. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, well, that's exciting. Are you uh, you planning to make any home games this year, or, or watching them on TV? Uh, I'll watch them all on TV, but I'm gonna try to get to at least one game. We'll have to yeah. see what works out. Yeah, when I was uh, younger in college and stuff, I was love. I would love to go to all the games, but now that I'm getting older, it's just. The sun yeah. is out, and there's so many people, and there's lines. So yeah, it's definitely you gotta get to late in out. the season when when people have lost hope. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so besides UCLA, are there any any games that you have highlighted uh, on the calendar that you're looking forward to? Hmm. Uh, none to that level. Like the Civil War will be fun, and I enjoyed trolling Ducks fans about Justin Herbert. But uh, the Ducks look pretty good. I think they're slightly overrated, but not so much that I think the Civil War will be competitive this year. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see the uh, Washington State game just because I like watching you know their coach get mad. Yeah. Um, he has, he has a stepper. <laughs> you gotta love Mike Leach. Yep. <laughs> um, and then, and kind of one of the last things I wanted to ask you about is, so I'm planning to go to Vegas here in a little less than a month. So I got to get all my future sports bets in. Okay. 
<laughs> um, so there's a, I'm not sure if you've seen them all, but there's some Pac-12 championship odds. There's win totals, um, Pac-12 teams or non-Pac-12 teams. The Beavers, of course, are at two and a half. And then there's Heisman and just who's going to win the championship overall in college football. Does anything stick out to you that I should definitely put money on? I I stick with Washington winning the Pac-12 championship, but that's not – you don't get great odds for that. Yeah. I I think I'm pretty high on Washington as well. I think some people are nervous because it's a little bit of a rebuilding year just because they're getting a new quarterback, yeah. new running back, all that kind um, of stuff. They lost Bert uh, Kirvin I, too, yeah. I think they recruit better than anybody in the Pac-12 right now, and yeah, the they've team. got – Jacob look, Eason. Yeah, they look like they've reloaded well, and their recruiting the past couple of years has been so solid. And I don't think the Ducks or Utah, probably the best team in the South, really look like they're not just good enough, but not even consistent enough to. Yeah, you know, I think take down Washington, Oregon, and Utah—they're both going to be good. I don't think they're going to be great, and I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think they're going to beat Washington. I think there, um, there's I, the potential for, like, I think maybe if Utah can win the South and then just put one great game together in the Pac-12 championship, that's I could see that uh, giving them a conference win. But I don't true. really think Oregon will get there. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And not just because of my fandom and hating yeah. the Ducks, but maybe a little bit to do with that. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Um, and what about Heisman? Do you think it's going to be the Trevor Lawrence um, Tua show, or you got any underdogs that might make a run on it? Uh, well, I'm I'm down on the duck, so I couldn't say feel, but I'm yeah, I kind of think it's going to be Lawrence and Tua this year. At least they're going to get the most press, be the most talked yeah. about. I'm just I'm not sure if there's room for anyone to really kind of explode yeah it's it's tough it seems like they're like the odds on favor i think there's even bets that you can take trevor lawrence or the field and you can yeah. get basically even odds on that i think um, the, the problem is clemson and alabama are just going to be really good this year both of them they're just going to put together monster years with monster numbers and i just don't know how anyone like crowbars their way up into those two yeah, and my thinking. Tell me if I'm crazy, uh, but I think to win the Heisman, you kind of got to make the college football playoffs or be in the championship contender category, top ten team. I think so. Um, and and so I'm thinking that Georgia's quarterback Jake Fromm, he's got an outside chance if Georgia beats Alabama, puts together a really good year, and he might. Anything could happen, and he's got some pretty good odds. Am I crazy? Yeah, actually, I think that would be a good bet if you want something with good odds for you because Georgia is, again, going to be really good. I don't know if this is the year they get past Bama, but you know they've got a good shot as anyone. And, yeah, if Georgia puts together a, like a playoff caliber year, from will be a big part of it and will put up some impressive highlights. Yeah. Um. Oh, I got one more question. Um, so USC, they started off, I think their opening odds for or win total was 
eight and a half, nine games. And so immediately I thought, bet the under on that because USC always underperforms. Uh, but so many people have bet the under on that, that their odds have dropped to six and a half or seven wins. Hmm. And now I don't, and now I don't know what to do. Seven yeah. wins is. That's a lot more tempting because I would have definitely taken the under at eight and a half. I mean, I, I don't know the Trojan schedule off the top of my head, so give me a second here. So what <laughs> yeah. is it, six and a half right now? Um, let me, I'll look it up. I think it might be seven, seven okay. even. All right. I have the Trojan schedule. I've looked at it. Um, it's seven wins even, according to fan duels where USC is at. Yeah. Honestly, I think I still might take the under. Yeah, it's it's tough. I feel like USC could easily go four and eight, and I would not be shocked. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of pressure on Clay Hilton. And Definitely if they stay late. healthy, yeah, I could see them getting to seven and eight wins also. Yeah, not too much work. Maybe I'll just stay away from that one. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's going to be very tough because yeah, yeah, it could go either way. I'd lean toward the under because I there's a lot of games on the schedule they're absolutely not going to win. Uh, yeah, but, who do you see on the schedule that definitely they're going to lose? I I don't think they beat Washington, Notre Dame, or Oregon. Yeah, that's the right way. away. I don't know enough about Brigham Young this year, but I could see that also. Oh, yeah, they, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, then they have Utah. Do they have Utah at home? Yeah, I don't think... I, uh, they have Utah at home. I still don't think they beat Utah. Yeah. They, they need and to then what about the... the oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. What about the Arizona schools? Are they on the home at home or on the road? They get Arizona at home and Arizona State on the road, which is probably the way they want it. Yeah. But yeah, they need a feast on all the Pac-12 South schools other than Utah. That gets you five. If you can, you get UCLA, Arizona State. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be a top up. (laughs) I mean, Stanford is not as good as they have been this year, but they still might be able to take the Trojans. Yeah, that's a tough one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so, thank you for that. I'm ready. Uh, I'm excited to lose some money in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, and I know that you and uh, I think Leo have been writing about some women's basketball. Yeah, it's um, going to be a very good season. Yeah, it sounds. I I think they have an outside chance of competing for a championship. Am I crazy? I don't think so. I think like they need to replace a couple players, but. They've still got Destiny Slocum and Michaela Fibic in the backcourt, and hopefully Cat Tudor's healthy, and that gives you an incredible set of guards. And if uh, there are two key recruits, uh, I, I keep like screwing up their names. Uh, I think one's like Taylor Kennedy. Johnson and Kennedy Brown. Yeah, I want to say that, but I, I sometimes I say like Kennedy Johnson and Taylor Brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Kennedy Brown, uh, Taylor Johnson. Uh, if they can step up and contribute right away uh, in the front court, that's going to be just an incredible team. They've got such great shooting on the perimeter, and if those two are as good as their potential suggests, they'll have like some great size in the post, great scoring there. It's going to be it's going to be a really fun season to watch. I'm excited. 
yeah, I'm excited. I'm trying not to get my expectations up too high because um, I don't want to be bis- disappointed, but I'm thinking Final Four territory. So I think we could get back there, yeah. Yeah, so probably my expectations are too high already, um, <laughs> but I'm excited nonetheless. Uh, well, cool. Did you have anything else for me, John? Uh, I think that's all for now. I'll, I'll try to think up some stuff for the for the next one. Maybe we should do a big dive into the defense. Since yeah. I think a lot of the questions about Oregon State's season are going to be answered in the defense. True. I think we might have more questions than answers, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I'm excited to get the podcast going weekly, especially once the season starts. Yeah. Uh, but now it's such a dead period right now. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get some more news as the season gets closer. Yeah. Sort out some of these uh, depth chart issues. Yeah. That'll be fun. Well, cool. Thanks, John, for joining me, and uh, have a good rest of your day. Thanks for having me. You have a good day, too.